0: great morning and i just want to say that it is awesome to have the singles and the campus students in the house today you know uh b- because of the big game uh we we're not having the five thirty service uh because m- nobody might show up but uh that's something that's something they decide but i just wanted to say it's really special every once in a while but i also want to say how awesome the five thirty service has been you guys don't get to go i go and uh, it's really, really incredible that, you know, you've got people that work on Sunday. There's still an option for them. There's families that got sports activities going on or something's going on. And there's an option. And they can come experience the same service. The worship team in the evening is awesome. So uh, really love that service. But today we're not having it. <laughs> Sorry. Their decision. Their decision. Okay. But it's great to see if you're a guest here today, I want to welcome you. We're right in the middle of a series called Wild Goose Chase. And uh, we are in a uh, pursuit this year of chasing after the Holy Spirit. And, and the wild goose was a name that the Celtic Christians came up with to describe the Holy Spirit. Uh, a, a mysterious pursuit. It was unpredictable. Uh, the, the wild goose was unpredictable. They didn't know when he'd show up. They'd hear him, but they wouldn't know where he was coming from. So that's what this, this series, and it's all about an adventure. It's all about... You know, really coming to know what God's plans for us are. Because I think some of us have allowed our lives to get boring. So again, Mike already said it. I'm just going to say it one more time. Uh, Today we're having this banquet. Let me me repeat to you Jesus' words. He said, go out, and he's repeating this, the parable of the great banquet. He said, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Because I have a great banquet for them. And uh, that's what we want to do. We want to throw a great banquet for the, for the homeless. I did it last year. Best Super Bowl party ever. And I've been to a few. Uh, clearly, it was the best. Uh, because I know our Father in Heaven was, was fired up about it. So I hope you can make it. And uh, if you can't next year, I want to encourage you to, to, to make your plans around that. So, you know, with this, also this series, this is about a deeper relationship with Christ. Understanding who God is and how He works. And the Holy Spirit is the hand of God here on earth. And you say, well, where is God? He's here. But He's here via His Holy Spirit. And, and that's the adventure that I want to invite you. So if you missed any, this is part four we're going to be talking about. Uh, if you missed any of the first three, I want to just direct you to our website. You can go there. You can listen to them again and again and again. And I highly recommend it because this series has been awesome for me. And I just want to say I am so excited about what God is doing among us. I do want to give some kudos to the campus ministry because they put together a break, a great prayer night on Friday let me just say this Uh, for some of you guys you have this idea that you know prayer night's kind of boring and I'd rather sit and watch TV you missed it (laughs) these guys put it together it was so creative Uh, we wrote letters to God Uh, we we wrote down our big prayers and we hung them up and and we watched videos and I mean it it, it went by like that so campus students awesome you guys did an incredible job gotta lift you up tell you how great you are and, uh, you know, as we, we continue uh, in, in this pursuit of the Holy Spirit, I want to I start out with a prayer because I uh, have a spe- special prayer request. My wife's not here. There's an empty seat right here. She had to fly up to uh, Boston to see her father. He's on the last days of his life. Uh, so uh, if you could say a prayer for her, but I just want to pray for her, pray for him, and then pray for our service. So join me, if you would, in praying. Holy Father in heaven, we're so, so grateful to be here in your presence today. Thank you that we're all here together. And I pray that you will be with us now, that you'll fill this place with your Holy Spirit. Help us, God, to understand you and know you better how you work. And I pray that today can be a day where you realign our thinking with yours, how much you love us and the great plans that you have for our lives. Father, I want to ask you to please be with uh, my wife, comfort her at the thought of losing her dad. Uh, He's in the throes of death, God, and I pray that you'll please work out, do a miracle, God, if there's any way that you can give him a little more time. Father, we ask you to use this for good and stretch out your hand and be with us and help us. Father, we know that life is spiritual and we're only here a short amount of time compared to eternity. Help us here in this room and even the people online. I pray that you will help them Father, to pursue eternity instead of getting wrapped up in this life here on earth. Be with us and help us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today we're going to be looking at the last three weeks, we've been looking at different Bible stories about people in the Bible, and we've been talking about these cages. Uh, You saw them on the screen, and today we're going to be looking at the Apostle Peter, and I love the Apostle Peter. I was named after him, I think. Okay, I don't know. It was probably a common name, but you know, I love Peter. You know why? Because Peter made a lot of mistakes. But God continued to, to tell him, I'm gonna use you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever come in contact with somebody who makes you feel better about yourself simply because they're not as good as you. I'm I'm kind of serious we need those people in our lives you know why we need those people in our lives because we need to know that there's other people out there that are making mistakes struggling with doubt struggling with sin and we're not alone right and and peter's one of those great examples that you don't have to be perfect You can open your mouth at the wrong time and say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, and God still believes in you, still affirms. So today we're going to look at Peter's example and hopefully learn from some of his failures. It was his biggest failure. And I hope that all of us can glean something from that. And so let's dive right in. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And this is Jesus Telling Simon Peter the future, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked you, has to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail and when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Okay, so what's Jesus predicting? What's the future look like for the disciples? Particularly for Peter. It's going to be rough. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. But here's the good news. You're coming back and when you come back i want you to strengthen your brothers so jesus is telling peter it's going to be a, a, a you know a challenge you're going to fail you're going to fall but when you come back you're going to make a comeback peter and, and l- let's listen to peter's response here when jesus tells him the heads up about his future but he replied lord i'm ready to go with you to prison and to death Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. Don't you love Peter's bravado? I am going to stand by you, Jesus, and I will not fail. I will not fall. What's I tell you about Peter? Is he in touch with his reality? Some of us are like that. You know, we got a lot of bravado, but maybe we're not really in touch with You know, what's going to happen and preparing. And I hope that today can help you understand, you know, how God's going to work in your life and who you really are and your struggles. So Peter's completely out of touch. And and with this, I want to talk about this because I want to introduce you, and you probably heard about this guy in high school, okay? His name is Ivan Pavlov, okay? And he was at the turn of the century. He did a, a series of studies on conditional behavior right you remember the ringing of the bell remember that okay this is a picture of Ivan he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1904 and in these studies you know dogs salivate when they see food don't they if you have a dog you know exactly what I'm talking about they start with the drool pool Some people do the same thing. They see food and they start to drool. Okay, they start to water at the mouth. Ivan Pavlov was a physician and a psychologist, a psychiatrist, and he wanted to to develop to see if he could condition dogs that obviously they're gonna salivate with food, but he, he wanted to see if he could condition their behavior that while they ate, he would ring a bell And the bell would condition their behavior so that you could eventually train them to ring the bell, remove the food, and they would no longer salivate at the sight of food, but at the ringing of the bell. And he won a Nobel Peace Prize for that. And the reason why is because conditional behavior is in all of us. Okay? Let me give you an example you don't have to have the food in front of you do you you just see the image i see this image right here and mm, i start to i start to water or you see the you see this sign here i grew up and now they got this hot and ready sign you know the sign is on and said they got them hot and they'll give you a free one i mean my mind goes with those things right you see images you see things And what I'm trying to get across to you is every single one of us in this room today have an elaborate series of conditioned behaviors. This happens, and you're going to behave this way. And in some cases, you know, when we get in a situation, it's an awkward laugh, a nervous laugh, right, an innocent laugh conditional reflex as Ivan called it for others of us it's a, it's a more destructive reaction we face a challenge and we drink too much and we get drunk thinking we're going to drown away our problems and that's a very destructive conditional behavior but you and I have this problem and whether it's innocent or whether it's destructive it's there And today, I want to invite you to address your conditional responses, your reflexes, how you respond to different situations, because this is what we're going to learn about the apostle Peter. And Jesus, this is what Jesus was up to, okay? And in Matthew 5, he gave the Sermon on the Mount, and he said phrases like this, you have heard it said, but I tell you, right? Remember that many times? You've heard it said, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say what? Love your enemies, right? Do good to those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. You know, and turn the other cheek. What's Jesus doing in his teaching? He says, You've heard it said, you know the conditional response, you know how we respond to situations. Somebody crosses you and you, and you get back. Jesus said, No, I'm going to recondition you. I want to recondition your reflex and your response to things. Instead of responding the way you always do, I want you to respond this way. And so that was Jesus' ministry. So what is Jesus up to in our lives? For those of you who follow Jesus, he's trying to recondition us and to introduce the Holy Spirit into our lives. What's the Holy Spirit? What is he up to? He is trying to change you. He's trying to recondition you so that instead of responding the way you always have, which is destructive and hurtful and discouraging, he's trying to get you to respond differently in a way that's going to build you up, change you, and make you a light for other people. Isn't that awesome? And so I want to encourage all of us to let him do his work. Let Jesus do his work, and let the Holy Spirit, let him do his work. We continue on. Today we're going to be talking about the cage of guilt. We talked about different cages, and, and in this case, you know, conditioned response, a lot of times, is guilt. So today I've got a couple of volunteers, but the truth is, is they're there. We get two for the price of one, and one. And I've got a couple of teens in the cage today. And you say, why these young people? Because this is where it starts. See, this is where the cage of guilt begins. We learn it. And one thing you need to understand about guilt, guilt is a behavioral response. And thank God for guilt. See, God has created us in a way, when you do something wrong, what do you feel? And that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. Uh, for, for those of you who, you know, are new to church or you haven't been to church in a while, God gave you something that's called a conscience. And when you do something wrong, you feel bad about it, don't you? Right? And you go, man, that's not right. That's not good. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't live this way, Right? But for us that are followers of Jesus, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit takes it up a notch. And and the Holy Spirit can give you a warning way ahead of time that when you're not just doing something wrong, when you're tempted to do something wrong, there is a sense of guilt. Hey, I'm in the wrong place in the wrong time. I shouldn't be here. There's a nudge. Thank God for that. But what I want to talk about today is when you cross the line. See, when guilt becomes something that it's not, it's not a, it's not a godly guilt, it's an overdone guilt. And it becomes a reflex that keeps you from letting go of the past and moving to the future. See, some of us have been conditioned into thinking that you're a failure. You've messed up too much you're too far from God and he can't possibly use you or forgive you or use your life. That's a problem. See, that, that's, a, that's an overdone guilt trip. And Jesus wanted to deal with it and we're going to look at Peter and the example of Peter and how he, he dealt with this. And, and one of the things that we need to understand, Jesus created for us A way to be forgiven of things when we do them wrong he says if you repent and you change your life i will forgive you and if you confess i will forgive you of all your sins you know you gotta be so grateful the fact that you get forgiven of your sins and you get to start fresh each and every day i think that's so awesome don't you See, we don't have to live in a cage and carry it around. We can be forgiven. But too often, we don't. And we live in a cage. So, and this is something that that, that we're talking about the dysfunctional guilt. Our feelings of guilt cage us and keep us from chasing the wild goose. And so we're limited. And instead of going, you know, God, you forgave me, we carry it around. See, it's, it's easier for us to accept God's forgiveness than give it to ourselves because we say, yeah, God forgave me, but oh, I'm not sure I forgive myself. And I'm not sure I forget the stupid thing that I did. And so we carry it around. And that's destructive. And it keeps us from following and chasing the Holy Spirit. God's got plans for us, and we hold back. And so we're going to look at the example of Peter, and it it basically puts us in a vicious circle of failure after failure, and it's predictable every time. So a little further on in chapter 22, we read about, about Peter here, and they arrested Jesus, and seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. You know, Peter's got a bad rap, and we're going to see why. But I want to pose to you today, where are the rest of the apostles in this situation? We don't know where they are. They're not here, but Peter's there. Peter stayed just a few steps behind Jesus. He didn't run away, he didn't hide, he's there. He may have failed, he may have fallen, but let me tell you, he's close to Jesus. So let's give Peter a little break, right, okay, let's not be too hard on Peter. All right, so he's there, and we read on. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else said, saw him and said, you're one of them. Man, I am not. Okay, so he's got two strikes. Remember, Jesus warned him, you're going to do it three times. Now, you would think after two strikes, he would pull back and go, you know what, I got two strikes, but I'm not going to, be the, I'm not going to do the third one. Jesus predicted it. And Jesus told him, this is what you're going to do. And he knew it. And a lot of times we know it. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you are talking about. Just as he, it's like the words just came out of his mouth, just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. What a haunting sound. And just after that, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster cries crows today. You will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. You know, this is, this is very, very powerful. And I want to pose to you today that A conditional behavior started with Peter right here. Very well could have happened that every time from this point forward, Peter heard a crow or a rooster crow, what did he think? I blew it. I failed. And this is huge failure. This is is the failure of all failures. You have the Messiah, the King of Kings, and the one you've invested your whole life in, and you've said, I'm willing to die for you, I'm willing to go to prison, and you do the exact opposite. So every time you hear a a rooster crow, what what do you think? I fail. And see, we live in a suburban area or an urban area. We don't hear a lot of roosters, right? But if you live in a rural area, just like they did, you hear crows or you hear roosters crow every morning and they don't have an alarm clock. I mean, it gets near dawn and they start going at it. I mean, every single one that crows, you think about your failure. This is very powerful. I got to tell you guys, because... I started thinking about this, my, my conditional responses, and you know, there's a golf tournament that I watch every year. It's called the Masters in April, and they hold it in North, uh, uh, just north of Florida in, in, in Georgia, that part of Georgia. And I'm watching the telecast, and they're talking, and there's a gate, but I'm hearing birds in the background. I hear a Bob White, and I hear a Cardinal, and it's the weirdest thing. I'm drawn to start thinking about live oak trees and Spanish moss hanging from those trees. And I miss home. I miss where I grew up just by hearing those sounds. I miss home. And it's like something just comes up in me and I'm going, man, that sound reminds me of home. And it's a conditional response. And there's a power in that. I can't explain it, but it's there. And it moves you. And it has power over you without even knowing it. And, you know, for, this, for Peter, this sound was haunting because it reminded him, I blew it. And, you know, the the Bible tells us, Peter went on later in his life, he said this, be alert and sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I pose to you today, instead of a roaring lion, a crowing rooster. See, the devil, whether you believe in him or not, goes around accusing us of our failures. You're not good enough You're a failure and you're never going to amount to much. See, you've messed up too many times. You're too far from God. You've crossed the line too many times. You remember that time? You remember that situation? Do you remember what you did? Do you remember what you said? See, and he, and the Bible tells us in Revelation that that's what he does. He's the accuser. Do you know? Your conditioned behavior when it comes to failure? You know, there's places that I don't like to go because it reminds me of my failures. And and here's the interesting thing that that, that Jesus did. You may, may have missed it, but the Lord looked straight at Peter when he said the words. What kind of look do you think it was? Maybe it was a sadness. No, Peter Peter was told before, you're going to do this. Do you think he was condemning Peter with his look? You know, one of those evil eye looks? Oh, I knew you were going to do it. I told you you were going to do it. I told you so. Is that? That's not Jesus, is it? See? Peter was at his most vulnerable state emotionally. He was right in the bottom of the pit, a failure, a failure. Jesus looked at him. He said, Peter, you may not believe in yourself, but I still believe in you. That falls right in line with Jesus' character, doesn't it? It was a look of assurance. It was a look of, I'm still with you. Hang in there, Peter. I told you you were going to do this, and I still believe in you. Now, let me ask you this. If a friend, a friend of yours, betrayed you, disowned you in front of a lot of people, would you turn around and hand that friend the keys to the kingdom? would you turn around and tell that friend, I'm putting you in charge? Would you do that? You'd have to be stupid to do that, wouldn't you? That's what Jesus did. Jesus knew exactly how Peter was going to mess up royally and said, I'm still putting you in charge, Peter. And why does Jesus do that? Why does God do that with us? Because he's trying to get through to us. You need to be reconditioned. You're thinking the old way. You're thinking the way you always do things, the way you always respond, and you're a failure. But I'm trying to recondition you. I'm trying to get you to think the way I think about you. And so when he looked at him, it was a look of love, and look, of affirmation. Peter, you failed, but I want you to know I still believe in you. Hang in there. So let me ask you this. What are your deepest conditional behaviors when it comes to guilt and failure? Are you ready to go there? Are you ready to ask yourself those questions? What do you have buried And where are the places that you go? And where are the people that you can't see and and you can't do because it just wells up inside of you an enormous sense of guilt, an enormous sense of, of negativity, and you don't even want to deal with it. But for some reason, it keeps coming back over and over again. If you can get this phrase down, look at this it says, Do you know that God has not given up on you? Do you know that? Do you know that? See, I know some of you don't. I know it because you can't say this with confidence. You wonder if God's given up on you. You question it. Peter was questioning. And this is the perfect description of the cage, the cage of guilt. And it's so powerful. And we've got two teens in here because their future, their whole future, will be determined by this behavioral condition response, the reflex. See, I, 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 can, I can offer these guys hey, guys, you, you, want, you want this iPad? I'll give it to you. See, when you're in a cage of guilt, you're blocked you can't see anything you can be offered the future you can be offered hope and forgiveness and love and opportunity and you won't reach out for it because you can't see past your guilt if you get this listen if you get this you're gonna be okay right if you know that God believes in you he's not given up on you if you know that if you let that if you internalize that it's in your mind it's in your heart you're going to be just fine, aren't you? But if you don't, then you've got a Pavlovian response that needs to get fixed. It needs to get changed. It needs to get rewired. There are moments in our lives when we have failed so badly that we feel unworthy to receive the grace of God. If you're here today and you're wondering, can God forgive you after all these years, after all this stuff, I want to assure you that yes, he can. In fact, don't take my word for it. Read the Gospels yourself. Read about what Jesus did and some of the people that chose to follow him. But here's one of the challenges. Peter said this as well, and later on in his, in his life, he said, listen, this has been the secret for me. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out so that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. See, a lot of times we confess and we recognize that we've sinned, but we don't repent. What repent means is you change direction. You stop doing the things that you used to do and you make all your effort. You may may fall again, but you make every effort not to do it again. See, repentance brings what? Refreshing. So there's confession and then there's repentance. And I want to invite you to repent today. I don't know what you've got. I don't know what you've done. But I want to invite you to repent of whatever you've got that's holding you in this cage of guilt. So I think we should let these guys out of the cage, don't you? They've been in there too long. Hey, guys. You can get out now. Come on out of here. Thank you. Okay? You're free. Start fresh. New beginnings. You think that's kind of funny, but... It's that simple. If you want to get out of your cage. It starts with a decision. It starts with a letting go. And it starts with letting God. And letting Him work in your life. We read on. And this is what Jesus did. To love people when they least expect it and when they least deserve it. This is the time Jesus did it with Peter. He loved him when he least expected it. This isn't natural, is it? This is what Jesus did. you know that Jesus loved lepers? They they thought, man, nobody's going to come close to me. I'm sick. I got this disease all over me, and I'm contagious. If you get near me, you're going to get sick. Jesus would hug them. He would touch them. He would heal them. He did it with prostitutes, tax collectors, and sinners. They least expected it. What did they expect from a religious teacher? Back away. You're not allowed here. You you can't be here. You know, maybe some of you came to church today, and you're saying, I don't know if I should be here because I'm not a good person. Let me tell you, the, the place where you are most accepted is in church and around Jesus. Because that's what he does. But see, why can't, you, why can't you let that set in? It's because you're living in a cage. It's your cage. It's what you've created. It's a Pavlovian response. It's normal. And I pose this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to do this. We need to do this. It's not natural, is it? But this is, if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. We need to love people when? When they least deserve it and when they least expect it. Man, when somebody does that for us, what do you feel? It's powerful, isn't it? So later on in Jesus' ministry, he he dies for our sins, he rose from the dead, and he spends 40 days popping in and out and, and talking to the disciples, encouraging them, and one particular day, Jesus shows up, Peter went out on a fishing trip. And he told his other disciples, he said, hey, guys, let's go fishing. And I don't think it was, I like to go fishing, let's go fishing. I believe Peter was saying, I'm going back to my old way of living, my old career. See, because my career as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus is over. I have failed too much, too big. You know, there's people that have left church for that reason. At that moment, a critical moment, they hear the rooster crow. They hear the sound. They hear the voice. They see the situation and they go, I'm done. I can't come back here. It's at that moment. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? So Jesus is checking them. Jesus is asking them a question. This is a very, very powerful conversation. Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. This is a conditional reconditioning. Hey, instead of thinking about you, Peter, if you really love me, do this. Think about other people. Second time Jesus asked him. And we'll skip the second time. He goes and asks him a third time. Verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Don't you feel bad for Peter? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? Now, let's stop and think about this. Why three times? Why three times? How many times did Jesus, or did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Three times. And see, Peter didn't get it initially. He says, don't you believe me? No, 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 Peter, you don't know what I'm up to. Some of you think that God is rubbing it in you. He's not. He's trying to recondition you. And you're resisting it. You're like Peter. You get hurt. You get offended. Why why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to affirm my love for you, Jesus? You know, you know all things. You know I love you. I may know you, I love you, but do you know that you love me? See, because what's going to happen when that rooster crows again, Peter? You know the coolest thing about this story? If you look in verse four of chapter 21, when in the time of the day did this take place? It says very early in the morning. What kind of sounds were going on when this happened? What's Jesus doing? He's reconditioning. See, now instead of when you hear the rooster crow, you don't think about what? Your failure, you're thinking about your restoration. See, he's he's wiping the slate clean. He's saying, Peter, this is her. Listen to those roosters crow, Peter. Listen. I'm reconditioning you. I'm restoring you. I'm renewing you. Guys, listen, listen, I want you to hear this. This is so important. This is so important. If you're lost, you've been checking your email or texting or playing a video game or whatever, I don't know what you, if there's one thing I want you to hear, just stop and listen. This is one thing God is trying to recondition you. And some of you are frustrated because you're not changing. but you're also not letting God work. You're resisting the Holy Spirit. You're resisting God. You would rather stay here and feel better about yourself because you're, you're, you're punishing yourself. You think some weird way this is, this is going to make you better by if I'm pay, my, I make myself, if I keep myself far from God, I'm gonna, maybe he'll have mercy on me. How stupid is that? How foolish is that? When God is offering you an opportunity for change, for adventure, for forgiveness, and you want to stay in there? So, totally reconditioned, and he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. By saying, feed my sheep, I'm reinstalling you, Peter, as a leader. What? Yeah, you're in charge. Remember the stuff I said about the keys and you're driving, you're in charge? Yes. Amen. But this is what I want you to do when you're in charge. Let me show you a mathematical equation. Sin minus grace equals what? When you live here, there's an absence of what? Grace. But sin plus grace equals what? Gratitude. Now, let me ask you this question, and we're going to wrap it up. Which two of these extremes would you say you're living right now? Where are you? What is your emotional reflex, your conditional Pavlovian response in your life when you do things wrong, when you mess up? Are you a guilt-ridden person? Now, what does this look like, gratitude? What kind of person is that? You think they're going to have a good time in life? You think they're going to be excited? You think they're going to have a great marriage? Not perfect, but I guarantee it's going to be a lot better because they're going to wake up in the morning. When they hear that rooster crow, they're going to think what? I get a brand new start today. Jesus is full of mercy. When they come to church on Sunday, what are they thinking? Thank you, God. Thank you that I get to come to church. Thank you for forgiving me. And when the singing's going on, they're singing along. Because they're so excited. They're so, they're so grateful. Now let me ask you a question. When you see your children ungrateful, what do you try to do? What do you try to do? You try to persuade them. When they're eh, complaining and, eh, you know. Yeah, some of you want to smack them. That's not how you change them. You don't change them that way. Remember, remember this equation. Some of your kids are still in timeout. Some of you feel like you're still in time out. Time out from God's love, time out from God's forgiveness, and therefore you don't feel grace, you feel guilt because there's no grace, and you don't feel gratitude. You know what our our church needs right now? More grateful people. You know what's going to increase the amount of gratitude in our church? There's plenty of this. (laughs) Okay, right? There's plenty of that. We got that covered. In fact, the world's got that covered. Jesus knew we had that covered. You know what's going to lead you to change? You know what's going to lead you to, to a, a, a life of, of ambition to grow, to stop sinning, to stop that pattern of behavior? Grace. And the wild goose. When you submit yourself to the wild goose and you turn yourself over to God, And all you can do is walk around and say, thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you've done. See, the grace of God is the difference between drowning in guilt and swimming in gratitude. Where do you want to be? Where do you want to live your life? I want to do the backstroke in the grace of God. I want to float on my back on the grace of God. And just float say thank you. It's available guys, it's available. It's right there for us. But here's the thing John said it this way, 1 John 1, 8, 9 he says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from what? Some say it with me all all unrighteousness are you ready to be forgiven of all your sins today do you want that here's the option this or this it's your choice some of your marriages here today are completely bound a guilt and a lack of forgiveness. This is a very powerful word right here, confess. you got to confess. you got to get open. you got to get honest. See, because if you don't confess, you're, you're, you're thinking, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Some of you live in that area where you're not, you're not being honest. I don't know what you got going on. I don't know what you've done. But let me tell you this. Confession is so, so powerful. There's freedom in confession. They've done studies. When people confess, their blood pressure goes down. It helps them. They're set free from that burden. And you know this. You don't need a scientific study to tell you that. You know this. When you confess, when you come together and you get with another couple and you say, you know what, our marriage is in the tank. I know God forgives us, so we want a new start. And I'm going to open myself to be reconditioned, and I'm going to relearn how to behave the right way. And there is forgiveness from all our sins. So right now, we are going to take the communion. And there's no better way to celebrate the communion than realizing what's communion about? Communion is about restoration. And if today you need prayer, if today you want to talk to a minister, we've got a few ministers in the house and their wives, we'll be in the back. And if you want to talk and you want to pray, we'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. We'll pray over you. But I want to invite you to accept the grace of God. and allow the Holy Spirit to start calling the shots in your life let God work Peter had to decide and even though he was hung upside down for five days sounds bad doesn't it Peter changed a lot of people's lives he got to experience an adventure like no other and Satan would have loved to keep him on the fishing boat and keep him out of the game. Yeah. Satan would love to keep you out of the game. He would love for you to stay right here as a Christian. You stay right here. You don't change. You don't move. You don't get forgiven. And you can call yourself a follower of Jesus and maybe think you're going to heaven after it's all over. Come on. I mean, you might. God is the ultimate judge, but man, is that it? Is that how you're going to live your life? No impact, no joy, no gratitude. Right now, the communion can recondition you if you will accept your guilt, your sin, and let it go. And allow the blood of Jesus to set you free. The blood of Jesus is so powerful. It can wash away all our sins. And then I want to invite you to repent. Okay, if you need to learn more about that, we've got Bible studies. We can, we can you know, show you what it means to repent. Now, let me just say this before we take the communion. We're always going to have these. Okay, Tomorrow's Monday. Guess what you're going to have on your doorstep? Cage of guilt. You have a choice. We're always going to struggle with the temptation to sin. You can go in and stay in, or you can stay out. Jesus died knowing we needed forgiveness. Jesus told Peter, Peter, you're gonna deny me three times, but I still believe in you. Just stay out of that cage. Trust me that my grace is sufficient. And let that grace motivate you to change. And You can say no to sin, because you don't want to go there anymore. You're too grateful to do that stupid stuff again too grateful to lose your patience and and, and be that ugly person that you've been. You're too grateful. You don't want to do that to Jesus anymore. See, that's what grace does. So let's pray for the communion. Father, we thank you so much for the blood and the body of Jesus that we can take right now to remind us of your unconditional love. God, we confess right here, right now that we don't deserve this. We don't deserve your love. We don't deserve your forgiveness. And God, in some ways, this is maybe the place where we least expect it. Thank you for loving us that much. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the body of Jesus. We do this to remember him, that we are entering in and we have been a part of a covenant that we're not going to give up and we're going to resign ourselves to let you recondition us in the way we think and the way we respond. Help us in that. Forgive us, God, for, for, for not believing in you and holding on to our own will and not letting you work. Forgive us, and I pray, Father, as a church together that we can receive restoration today. Restore us as a church. Restore us as individuals, God. Help us to believe that today we don't have to have it in increments. We can walk out feeling and knowing we're completely forgiven and start fresh today. We love you, God. Bless this communion, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.